15. I trust most of you had a restful afternoon. (laughs) Well, we're going to be in 1 Peter, continuing on in our study this evening. But before we do that, I'm going to ask if anyone has any quick, brief testimonies you want to share with us. Testimonies of what the Lord is doing in your life this past week. All right. Okay. Yes. Indeed, he does. I don't know if anyone could top that one, but that's great. Any other testimonies, brief testimonies for this evening? Okay. Well, let's get into study, shall we? Uh, the title of my message is, I believe, Praise Be to God, or Blessed Be to uh, blessed be God, and as we are in First Peter, we will see why this is the title of the message. Let's just look at the first few scriptures. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the excuse me, sanctifying work of the Spirit, to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with His blood. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. And then we'll see here the next several verses. Actually is one long sentence in the Greek, but before that let us go to the Lord again in prayer. Father, we seek Your face this evening once again. We pray that You would... um, Bless us with your word, that you would encourage us, that you would help us to understand uh, what you have here for us in these several verses. Lord, perhaps some of us are weary. Perhaps some of us are considering what may take place this upcoming week. Lord, uh, help our minds to be fixated on the things of you. Help our hearts uh, to be encouraged this night. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this, as I mentioned, a one long sentence in the Greek, and we'll see it um, here in our language as well, beginning in verse 3 through verse 12. Perhaps we'll see some periods in there, but nevertheless, one long sentence, one long point to get across before we see an important word in verse 15. So, Verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God, faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. So that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory 
honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible, full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you in these things which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Therefore, and then verse 13 would start. It begins in verse 3 and works all throughout verse 12. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We hone in on a disposition that all Christians should have, that all of us should have a disposition of praise to the Lord for salvation. Three sections for us, and we're only going to cover one of them this evening. Three main sections in these verses. Verses 3 through 5, we have an imperishable inheritance. And in verse 6 through 9, we have rejoicing in the revelation of Jesus. And verse 10 through 12, this privileged position that we as Christians have. So he begins, Peter begins with, Blessed be the God and Father. Oftentimes when we hear the word blessed, we think of horizontal action. Um, one blessing another person. Well, that person really blessed me. Or I was so blessed by, by this, that, or the other. Or vertical from top down, we consider how God blesses us. Or we say in our vernacular, it was, it was a blessing by the Lord. And this is indeed true. And we see similar formulas, though, in this uh, blessed be the God and Father. We see it in the writings of Paul and Ephesians and 2 Corinthians. And it's rooted in the Old Testament. Genesis 14, verse 20, Blessed be God the Most High. Or Joshua 22, 33, The sons of Israel blessed God. Daniel 2, 20, Daniel said, Let the name of God be blessed forever and ever. The word that Peter uses here is translated blessed. Some of your translations may say blessed. The NIV says it. Praise be to God. I, I happen to like that vernacular. Praise be to God. Peter is not blessing God in the manner that God blesses us. God does bless us, but we declare that He is the blessed one. Praise be to God. This is the one in whom we praise. We praise God out of a heart that has been transformed. Out of a thankful heart towards God because of who He is and what He has done in the salvation of our souls. Our disposition has been changed to a disposition that is able to say, praise be to God. Only the Christian can say that and actually mean it. Only a regenerated heart can sing hymns to the Lord and mean it. As we just had some hymns, and as we'll have one at the end, if we consider we're singing praises to the Lord, and we as Christians can actually mean it because He has changed us. 
God does not need our kind words or buttering him up in order to make him feel better. We praise God, we thank him, we bless his name because he is worthy of it. Because our affections have been changed. That we want to praise his name. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, six times in the first Counted. Or Peter is introducing this with, with a praise, and is Jesus Christ uh, over and over again, and he says, Our Lord Jesus Christ, which is a full title, 30 times in the New Testament, give or take. Lord, sovereign ruler over all things, Jesus, Savior, Yahweh saves, Christ the anointed one, the promised Messiah. Christians, we belong to Him and He is the Lord. Also, He is our Lord. And we can say that. Only those born again can say, Jesus, our Lord. Our Lord Jesus Christ. Or as Thomas put it, my Lord and my God. Paul says, 1 Corinthians Chapter 12, verse 3, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So no one will know Jesus as Lord and submit to his lordship and, and can say Jesus my, my Lord and my God and actually mean it except for from a regenerated heart. There are numerous reasons we could give this evening to praise the Lord. Now, now sometimes when we share testimonies, we're, uh, we're caught off guard. We're, we're slow to speak, um, s- slow to think of things, but if we really had time and say, well, we're going to take this next week and we're going to jot down all the praises to the Lord each and every day that we're praising God for, it would be a different story. But oftentimes when we hear that, we're, we're caught off guard and, and we have to think about it sometimes for a while. But here... Peter is specific here in his letter why we ought to praise the Lord. Blessed be his name. Who, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again. That is it right right off the bat. Why blessed be the name of the Lord? Blessed be God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again. And in these scriptures, he has given us three things. A living hope, an imperishable inheritance, and a secure salvation. So Christian, this week, no matter what comes our way, we have a living hope, we have an imperishable inheritance, we have a secure salvation. He has caused us to be born again having regenerated us to a living hope. The NIV again says, has given us new birth. I like that vernacular as well. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Similar to uh, verse 23, I believe it is. For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, 
but one that is imperishable, that is, through the living and enduring Word of God. The focus is on God's action here. He has caused us to be born again. God's initiative in regeneration in the new birth. No one can take credit for being born. We're all here, we were born, right? We were born into this world. We did nothing to do anything about it. We just arrived. Similar as far as not being able to take credit for being born again. God is the one who is to be praised. It is through His great mercy that one obtains new life in Christ. I'll reference Ephesians chapter 2. You don't have to turn there. I'm going to just read it. Chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. I'm going to start in verse 1. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. That's who we were, past tense. In which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the places in Christ Jesus. It's similar uh, thinking there. It is by God's grace. It is by God's doing. And that results in our praise. As Isaac Watts wrote, not for our duties or deserts, but of his own abounding grace. He works salvation in our hearts and forms a people for his praise. We are people for his praise this evening. We were people created for his praise this morning. As we came here to worship God, we praised his name. As we go tomorrow and go about our way, we are as strangers in this world. Uh, aliens scattered throughout, pilgrims, sojourners, whatever uh, word you want to use. But we are worshipers of the one true God, and we are to praise His name. So we have a living hope, not a dead hope. Only Christians, only those who are born again have this living hope. What a tremendous thing that is for us. One says, oh, what hope does... Do you, do you have, what hope is this, what hope is that? That, Christians, we have a living hope. The world attempts to provide saviors of hope, but they are futile, they are dead, and they are hopeless. Hope in this, or, or hope in that, or this will make things all better for you. No, I, I have Christ, uh, my living hope, because we have a risen Savior. God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him, for Christ, to be held in its power. It was impossible for Christ to be held in the power of death, for he conquered death and he rose from the dead. Romans chapter 6, uh, I'll just read these as well. 
Sin is no longer our master. For the Christian, we're no longer under the reign of the evil one. We're no longer under the reign of our old master. Christ now rules over us. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? (laughs) May it never be. How shall we who die to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that Christ is raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. We are walking in newness of life, Christian. We are walking in newness of life today. We will be walking in newness of life tomorrow. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. So that is enough there to to praise God for, to bless. God's name. I am no longer a slave to sin because he has set me free. He has given me a living hope. We have a living hope now. We have a living hope when we take our last breath and we step into eternity. It is the already and the not yet. Our Lord Jesus Christ conquered death and he paved the way. For all who are united to him by faith. So we have a living hope. We have an imperishable inheritance. Imperishable inheritance. Now, some of us in here, maybe at some point in life, maybe received an inheritance of some sort. Maybe a financial inheritance. Or you have something, that an inheritance that you're going to leave uh, to somebody. And often, sometimes we hear about as someone who uh, was left out of the inheritance or uh, didn't get their inheritance, it was stolen from them, whatever, whatever it could be. But we Christians, we have an imperishable inheritance. It, it, there's nothing that can happen to it. It is secured through, by the resurrected Savior. This inheritance that we have was bought with a price. His precious blood paid in full. Full atonement can it be. Hallelujah, what a Savior. This inheritance that we have. No one can take it away. Cannot be lost. It is a gift reserved for pilgrims, sojourners, alien strangers in this world that know Christ, of course. Inheritance is something that is promised the people of God in the Old Testament by way of land. We see numerous examples of this. Numbers 32, 19, Deuteronomy 2, 12, and 12, 9, Joshua 11, 23, and Psalm 105, 11, and so on. But as Tom Schreiner points out, Peter understood the inheritance. However, no longer in terms of a land promised to Israel, but in terms of the end-time hope that lies before believers. A hope that will be 
realized in a new heaven and new earth. As 2 Peter 3.13, we are looking for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Remember the, the hope of the Old Testament saints in Hebrews 11, 13 through 16. All these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. There's that phrase again. There's that word. For those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have an opportunity to return. But as it is, here it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. For God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. As we look ahead as well, as we look for, uh, for God to restore all things as this earth groans, we have the hope of this imperishable inheritance that is undefiled and will not fade away. It's incorruptible, and it's given by an incorruptible God. In Romans 1.23, uh, the incorruptible God. Our resurrected bodies also will be incorruptible. 1 Corinthians 15.23 But our inheritance is uh, one that is undefiled. Never to become stained. Same word used to describe the sinlessness of Jesus Christ in Hebrews 7.26 So it's an inheritance that is imperishable. It is undefiled and it will not fade away. It lasts forever. It cannot be lost and it cannot be stolen. It's an inheritance that is reserved for he in heaven for you and reserved in heaven for me. We have a reservation. If you consider individually, we have a reservation for one waiting for you. There is no need to call ahead. It is there waiting. The time of the reservation in heaven is unknown by you. And my reservation time is unknown by me. But God knows the day, the hour, the minutes that we will be ushered into His presence to dine with Him, as it were, forever. A reservation held by God, secured by God, paid for by the precious blood of Jesus Christ our Lord. Reserved also translates as kept. And Schreiner again, he says, this is a divine passive, referring to God as the one who reserved the inheritance for believers. So God is the initiator of reserving this inheritance for us. It is also a secure salvation. Verse 5, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Protected or shielded or guarded by the power of God. No hackers can break this. No thieves or robbers can steal this. Salvation ready to be revealed in the, in the last time. 
The protected are the who, which of course are believers. God protects believers not from suffering, but through suffering. So as we consider suffering that may come, whatever that may look like for for you or for me this coming week, for this coming month, this coming year, God protects believers uh, not from suffering. Sometimes He does. But if, if we're to go through suffering, we're to go through it. But He protects us through it. We are protected by the power of God through faith. By the instrument of faith. Continual faith. A faith that is genuine. A genuine believing faith that begins with conversion. And Wednesday night we are, we are looking at the conversion and faith and, and um, repentance. The response, the responsibility of one to respond to God. The faith that begins in conversion and persists until the day of redemption. We think of security of our salvation. It, it thrusts our thinking to the perseverance of the saints. F.B. Ware says, Nothing will our inheritance. It is untouched by death, unstained by evil, unimpaired by time. It is compounded of immortality, purity, and beauty. Nothing can jeopardize it, and nothing can ruin it. Think about everything else that we would have in this world that can be destroyed, that could be stained, that could be marred, not our inheritance that is reserved for us. And Doriani says, God keeps the inheritance for us, and He keeps us for the inheritance. He keeps the treasure for us, and He guards we will, we will properly enjoy it. The gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. A salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. This is, again, the already and not yet. We have been saved, Christians. We are being sanctified and we will be glorified. Eternal life is a present possession for Christians. It's also something that we look forward to. John 3.36, He who believes in the Son has eternal life. Now, today, much to rejoice in. But he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming, and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. So this inheritance we have is is now. Salvation is now. It is reserved and it is coming. So as we consider our praise to God this evening and our disposition of praise and for us to be able to say, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to His great mercy caused us to return again. That is enough. That is enough because of who He is. 
as we consider what he has done for us, we praise his dear name. So, for this evening, that'll be it. it we'll, we'll sing another hymn. But really consider these things this week. Consider uh, the praise of God. Consider journaling these things. Journaling the reasons to, to bless God's name, to praise his name. For we have so much to be thankful for. Amen.